If you're into titles, you can write this down. Lessons from Babylon. Lessons from Babylon. How many of you know that, that God is taking us on a journey and we can learn or we can learn? How many of you know there's two different ways to learn? Y'all will get that in a minute. All right. So, so Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. We're skipping three verses for a reason. We'll get back to that in a moment. In verse 4, we're going to read some scripture. Uh, we're going to read quite a bit. I don't understand why pastors apologize for reading scripture. You showed up to church. Amen. You should have known the pastor was going to read scripture. Amen. I'm going to read all the scripture because you didn't read your Bible this week. So I'm going to read it for you. <laughs> you know that's not Okay. We're already starting off good. How many of y'all read your Bibles this week? Raise your hand. Don't lie in the house of God. All right. We got a bunch of heathens still. Y'all need to read your Bible. Daniel chapter 5 next week. All right. Just one chapter. Read it every day. See what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Okay. Daniel 4, chapter 4, verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living comfortably at home. I was prosperous while living in my palace. I had a dream that terrified me. The visions I had while I was asleep frightened me like that. So I ordered all of the wise advisors in Babylon to be brought to me to tell me the dreams, meaning the magicians, the psychics, the astrologers, and fortune tellers came to me, and I told them the dream, but they couldn't tell me its meaning. Finally, Daniel came to me, and he had been renamed Belshazzar after my god, Bel. The spirit of the holy gods is in him. I told him the dream, Belshazzar's head of the magicians. I know the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Come on, somebody. No secret is too hard for you to uncover, to tell me the meaning of the visions I had in my dream. These are the visions I had while I was asleep. I was looking. I saw an oak tree in the middle of the earth. It was, it was very tall. The tree grew, and it became strong enough and tall enough to reach the sky. It could be seen everywhere on earth. It had beautiful leaves and plenty of fruit, enough to feed everyone. Wild animals found shelter under it. Birds came to live in its branches. It fed every living creature. I was seeing these visions as I was asleep. I saw a guardian, a holy being, come down from heaven. He shouted loudly, cut down the oak tree. Cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit, make the animals under it run away, and make the birds fly from its branches. But, the leave, but leave the stump and its roots in the ground. Secure it with an iron and bronze chain in the grass, in the field. Let it get wet with the dew from the sky, and let it get its share of the plants on the ground with the animals. Let its human mind be changed, and give it the mind of an animal." Let it remain like this for seven time periods. The guardians have announced this decision. The holy ones have announced this so that every living creature will know that the God of, high, of, the, the God of, of power has over the human kingdoms. He gives them to whomever he wishes. He can place the lowest of people in charge of them. All right, that's a lot. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you, God, for... Uh, all that you're doing, God, in this story, God, we thank you that in this, God, that you help us see, God, the strength of your spirit, the strength of your power, the, when the kingdom of heaven comes, God, that there is nothing stronger than it, Lord. And we thank you this morning, God, as your, as your word comes forth, God, that it would captivate our hearts, that it would change and transform us, God. Lord, that it would allow us to make you more famous on the earth today than yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. 
So lessons from Babylon. So, so what this was is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. We see that, that this dream is a tree. This tree gets cut down. And what was once very tall and very strong now has been removed. And this is a dream, and Daniel begins to interpret this dream. And so there's a lot of scripture here that I'm going to try to cover without going through all of the scripture, but giving you the details of it. Um, but, but as we see this, the very beginning, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living comfortably at home. It says, I was prosperous while living in my palace. I had a dream that terrified me. And so here we see that there are some things that God wants to show us. Because how many of you know that we live in Babylon right now? We are living in a system of Babylon. Babylon is controlling the spirit world here on earth. Right now there is a spirit world that's happening, the spirit of Babylon. And if you don't understand, if you don't learn lessons from Babylon, you will fall prey to Babylon, right? So this is what this is all about, is to help you and I begin to realize, hey, the spirit of Babylon is working against me right now. The spirit of Babylon is working, and he's trying to deceive, and he's trying to make me feel comfortable, and he's trying to bring me pleasure in areas outside of the kingdom, right? But we also see here is that when God wants to do something, no matter how strong Babylon is, Babylon cannot stop the Spirit of God. When God sends an angel, God doesn't even have to come. He just says, hey, angel, go. And the angel goes. This is the kingdom that we serve. That we, sometimes we, we don't use the authority that God has given us, and we just allow things to happen. And God says, no, you need to understand. You need to learn some lessons from Babylon. Who you serve matters. And so here's the thing is lessons are learned through an experience, whether they're yours or someone else's, right? So right now, we are learning lessons, even right now, regardless of how old you are, you are learning lessons through your own experiences, or you are learning lessons from other people's experiences, right? I mean, I started at a very young age beginning to learn, hey, I don't like the way that that decision, they made that decision, and I'm going to do the opposite of what they do. And sure enough, my, my decision was better than theirs because I didn't like how they did theirs. So I made a decision and it turned out better. There have also been some decisions that I thought, that's not right. I'm going to do it a different way. And I paid the, consequen- the consequences for it, right? Y'all ever been there? Like, oh, man, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to do it this way. Well, that's called a lesson. And in that, some of us are still learning the same lessons, <laughs> We're still going over, like, how am I ever going to get this figured out? Well, do something opposite of what you're doing, and you might get a different result. And so here we see that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar, he's comfortable, he's pleasurable, he's got a lot going on. He thinks he's stable. He thinks that he, he is looking, and he's looking at his life, and he's sitting in his palace, he's sitting in his world, He's sitting in his home, and he's watching DirecTV, and he's watching Dish, and he's watching Hulu Live, and he's watching all these things, thinking, I got... I got it made. And in a moment, it literally says that he, he was living comfortably and he, took, he fell asleep on the couch and everything changed. See, what you have to understand in Babylon is nothing is as stable as it seems. Right now, we can look, I mean, pre, pre-COVID-19, everything was looking real good. But in a moment, literally overnight, everything changed. Right? Because we live in Babylon, and so Babylon can look stable, but understand, we if we fall prey to it, we will be comfortably uncomfortable. We live in a in a world that at any moment can pull 
the, the blank is out from under us, and we are vulnerable to Babylon. This is what, okay, this is the king. This is the man. Like, this is the person of people on the earth. And in a moment, he went from comfort and pleasure to, to terror. And so what I want us to understand is this, is this is a lesson for us to never depend on Babylon for our security and our comfort. It doesn't mean we can't have things in this world, but what we want to make sure of is that we don't let things become so, that we become so dependent on things that we lose our security and dependency on God. How many of you know that, that that's what happens? And so, so this first point that I want to bring out is this, is that you are only as stable as what, you surrendered, as what you're surrendered to. See, a lot of things, they, he seemed from the outside of the palace like everything was great. And a lot of us look at other people and we put, we put our value and we put our, our, our conscience in, man, they have everything that they, we would ever want. But when we lay down, we don't have the terror and the, and the dreams that these other people are having. Why? Because our dependency is, something, is in something else. And so here we see that stability is based on what you're surrendered to. And what I want to challenge you with is right now is in this moment, what you're surrendered to is what you are leaning on, right? Right? The Bible says in, in Proverbs 3, 5, lean not on your own understanding, Right? But what we do a lot of times is we put our weight in something that's holding us for a moment, but it can only hold us for a moment, right? Like if I lean on this podium, it will hold me for a moment, but the more of my pressure that I put on it, the more that this thing will begin to tilt. And what seems stable in our lives right now, if it is not Jesus and Jesus alone, we are not stable. And we have to understand that. And and I know that we know this, but do you know it? What are you doing to eradicate everything else outside of Jesus to support you? Right? Because right now my job could support me, my family could support me, and, and my, my, my reputation and my attitude, all these other things can support me. But if it's not Jesus and Jesus alone, there's going to be a point where you lose your stability. And we get mad at God, and we blame God, and God is saying, hey, you never, you weren't even depending on me. And he gets the blame for something that he wasn't even supporting us in. Right? And so, so here it goes on, and it talks about comfort, right? What does comfort do? Comfort compromises what you depend on. This is ultimately what happens in Babylon. They want to pat you. We just, you know, yesterday, me and Alicia, we, you know, we went to, we went to to sleep number. And no, we did not get a bed. Dear Jesus, that's you gotta buy, you gotta get a loan for that thing. But we got some pillows because we wanted to have a little bit more comfort, right? And how many of you know that regardless of, of what kind of comfort you may get on this earth, there is only one comfort that you should really seek, and that's eternal security. But see, what Babylon wants to do is it wants to offer you I, you know, sleep number pillows and air conditioning, and cool shoes, and great clothes, and awesome friends, and all of these other things. And those things aren't bad, but when you have all of those things, and you begin to move away from Jesus, see, that's what the spirit of Babylon does, is it wants to pamper you, it wants to take care of you, it wants to support you, and strengthen you, and get you farther away from Jesus. 
right? Because how many of you know the more comfortable you are, the less you think about Jesus? Be honest. The moment something happens and a bill comes in and sickness hits your body or something happens, you begin to think, oh, dear Jesus, I need him. You needed him before any of that. And we should be really careful to allow comfort to slip into our lives and say, hey, you don't really need Jesus. You're doing great. I mean, security is awesome. See, comfort, it compromises who you depend on. See, Babylon will convince you that you're more secure than you are. It's like, hey, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. That spirit works in us and says, look, you know, you start wanting to get amped up and get fired in for God and be like, man, I'm going deeper. The spirit of Babylon, no, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're spiritual enough. You read your Bible once a month, you're good. You pray, you, you pray whenever you go out to eat. You, it wants to hush you down. It says, hey, hey, look, look, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. The spirit of Babylon is constantly working against your security in Jesus. See, what secures those in Babylon, we have to understand this, that there are people that are living in Babylon and they can, they can depend on Babylon. That is fine. But you're a believer. A believer in what? In Babylon or a believer in Jesus? Because, see, that's what matters. Babylon is going to believe in the security of Babylon, but we are supported from another kingdom. Right? And so this is a lifelong lesson. This is me right now being honest that there are times and moments where I have to say, okay, hey, that should not bring me comfort. That should not bring me dependency in this earth. It should be you and you alone, Jesus. And in this, this may help me enjoy my sleep a little bit better by getting a pillow, but it should not move me away from Jesus. It should be like, thank God that I can get a pillow from sleep number. And I can lay my head down and I can rest. But thank God that you gave me the finances or thank God that you gave me whatever to, to be able to get whatever that may be. Right? So here's the thing. One thing that, that I think is interesting is it says this, that as soon as he had this dream, he began to call up the astrologers, the magicians, the psychics, all these different fortune tellers. He started calling all of these people. And what I want, first of all, I don't know why he hadn't fired these people. I mean, he has called on these guys time after time after time, and they are not helping him out. And they're still, he's still paying them, calling them, expecting things, because this is the point. This is, this is, you've got to catch this. So he is constantly depending on something that still can't get him what he needs, because that's the spirit of Babylon. That's what happens. Babylon only can depend on Babylon. So all he has is what's in Babylon. It's not until he begins to be reminded, oh, Daniel. Daniel is a man that has a, the God in him. Yet that is the power of stubbornness that he can still have. He can still have all of the stuff going on and know that I could have the God that Daniel has, but I would just rather just let Daniel help me out. And here's the thing, is that what we have to understand is this, is that what we need to know is that Babylon's hope is only in Babylon. That's all, that, that's all they have is the hope of what's in Babylon. This is the amazing thing for us, is that you have a hope. You have something on the inside of you that Babylon needs. And this is a lesson that there are going to be times and there is going to be situations and circumstances where Babylon needs the Daniel in you. 
the God that is in Daniel is the same God that's in you. And here is the thing that you have to understand is that external comfort can be a counterfeit to eternal security. I'm glad one of you think it's good. Awesome. See, external comfort, what was happening in, in his life, in Nebuchadnezzar's life, is this is that external comfort substituted his eternal security. And this is what is happening all across America right now, all across the world right now, is that if Babylon can make you externally comfort, you don't need eternal security. But this is the thing, is that we've got to realize that, that eternal comfort I mean, external comfort will never and can never substitute our external, I mean, our, our eternal security. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that we need. Babylon needs the God in you to find the comfort it's needing. Babylon needs the God in you to come out of you. And in this, there you begin to see Nebuchadnezzar crying out, Daniel, where's Daniel? All of you other astrologers, you can't help me because you have the same spirit that I have. But Daniel has a different type spirit. And we have to be people that are recognized. There are going to be people who are going to not fully understand the spirit of God in us until they need it from us. And what happens is a lot of times we tend to, as human beings, we tend to move away from people that don't think that, that that are going to embrace us, right? That's why Christianity has taken a nosedive in America, right? We were, you know, 70% Christian, and it's, it's gradually over the course of years has taken a nosedive. Why? Because I don't think we're fully convinced of the God in us. We think that if people don't embrace us, then we're just not, we're not useful. You're not useful until a crisis happens, and then they need the God in you. And there is going to be crisis. I'm letting you know right now that there is crisis coming, and you need to be prepared for the God in you to be released from you. Daniel, when the moment that he was called, he said, I'm here. What do you need? And in that moment, the spirit of God that was in him came out of him. See, what, what, I love what he says. He says, the spirit of the holy gods is in him. The spirit of of the holy gods is in him. He says, I need that Daniel boy. Because he's got something he is filled with that I need. He didn't need a conversation with Daniel until what? Until he had a dream that messed him up. Until a situation in his life changed. Until a circumstance in his life wasn't comfortable or pleasurable. There are people in your world right now that you have discounted. They're never going to receive Jesus. Have you ever done that? You've looked at people like, man, I mean, they're going straight to hell. You don't say that, but you're thinking it. But here's the deal. Until a situation comes, they may not, they may, they may not need Jesus. But there's a moment that will come. And as long as the Spirit of God is in you, that's what will be able to come in and rescue them and redeem them and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. See, what you are filled with matters. I was thinking about this. And so 
I wanted to do something for you real quick. If I could get a couple of uh, volunteers. You guys know who you are. Also, bring your brother with you. So come on up here. Yeah, just pick a donut, any donut. Okay. Pick a donut. Pick a donut. Pick a donut. How many of you know? There you go. There you go. So all these are filled with something. And what's filled in them matters. So what I want you to do, see, how many of you know that sometimes we don't really, it doesn't seem like it doesn't matter what we're filled with, but it does. If I'm in need and I want a donut, and depending on what you're filled with, you're in problem, you know, you're in, you, need, you need something from God, right? And whatever's filled in that donut will help you get what you need. So go ahead and take a bite of that donut. Make sure you get the filled side of it. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Take a bite, girl. Okay, wow. I mean, you need something. <laughs> so what we have here, what is yours, brother? <laughs> You're filled with mayonnaise. Ain't nobody going to use you. Take another bite, brother. Come on, man. Ketchup. Bro, yours is, yours is custard. Strawberry jelly. All right, cool. Y'all can keep those if you want. No? Why are you guys putting yours down? Because of what they're filled with. You can keep yours if you want. Oh, I'm going to eat that one later. <laughs> but how many of you know, thank you, how many of you know that it matters what you're filled with? See, all of these other people that went to Nebuchadnezzar were filled with the wrong thing. But when you're filled with the thing that, that they need, they're willing to continue to consume it. And I want you to know this morning that there is a God in you that you are filled with that Babylon needs. That there is something on the inside of you that it is, it is, it is the answer for the problem. I'm glad you're excited about that. So, so here we go through, and, and this is we see that, that Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar is struggling with getting a resolution. He has had a vision. He is trying to get an answer. No one else can give him the answer, but Daniel begins to see the dream, and he begins to play this out. And he says, this is what he gets. He begins to explain it. And in verse 28, this is where we'll pick up. And in verse 28, he goes through, and I'm going to break down real quick what the scripture was, this dream was. And so this dream was Nebuchadnezzar was that tree. All of the things that, that he was supplying were fruit and all the substance for all of the, the nation. And then there was an angel. That, that guardian was an angel from heaven. And that angel, God had saw him and said, you know what, this guy's prideful. I'm taking his tree down. And in a moment, a conversation, one conversation with Jesus to an angel his life was completely cut short, right? So Daniel begins to interpret this, and he begins to tell him, hey, that's you. You're the tree. And actually, you're going to, 
not only be cut down, but your life, you're going to lose your mind, and you're going to begin to eat like a cow. You're going to let dew is going to fill you. You're going to have long hair. You're going to have crazy claws. You're going to look like an animal. And you're going to begin to eat what cows eat. You're going to begin to be dependent on what the very thing that, that you used to supply, now you're going to be dependent on it. And in a moment, God tells him this, and he says, this will last for seven years. Okay, so here's the important part. So God gave him this dream. For 12 months, he gave him an opportunity to get his life right. 12 months. And I think what we have to understand is that God is patient. How many of you know that, that we say, God, you're not patient, but he's patient with judgment. He's patient with the sin that you may be living in. He's patient. He may, not be, he may be too patient for you when you need a blessing, but he's real patient when you're in sin. So it depends on what you need, right? And in this moment, we see in verse 28, we pick up, and he said, and all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. 12 months later. See, this is what happens in Babylon. Is Babylon just continues to ignore the Spirit of God. Right now, all across America and all across the world, all the chaos that is happening, people are still ignoring the voice of God. The riots, the protesting, the sickness, the, all the stuff is still happening, and they're ignoring the patience of God. And right now in this moment we see this. And this is the point, is that patience requires obedience. God gave him patience and all he had to do was become obedient to the very dream that he was given. Twelve months later. See, God is more patient with us than we are with him. How many of you know? God is way more patient with us than we are with him. And in this moment we see in verse 29, it says, 12 months later, he was walking around the royal palace in Babylon. He'd forgotten about the dream. He was still living in comfort and pleasure. Again, see, that's the power of comfort is comfort will push away the voice of God. Right? It will push away. It'll say, look, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine until you're not fine. So Babylon has been working on him, keeping him comfortable. Keeping him dependent so he doesn't have to really, you know, confront and address the dream that he was given. And I think for us, we have to be really careful of, of ignoring the voice of God in our lives. Because we don't want to be like Babylon and be like, well, you know, it is what it is. It's nothing. When God speaks, he speaks for a reason. Right? He's speaking into our spirit. He's speaking into us so that we can begin to get our lives right. So that we can be... A, we can be filled with something of substance. And so here we see that, that 12 months later it says, then the king, it says the king thought, look how great it is. He's looking over his palace. God had given him a dream. It's 12 months later. And all of a sudden he says this. He says the king thought, look how great Babylon is. See, what we have to understand is this is that 12 months, 12 months was God's love being expressed. That 12 months, every day, every month, was God loving Nebuchadnezzar. Not judging him, loving him. Every month was God saying, I love you, Nebuchadnezzar. I believe in you. There's something bigger in you than what you may see. Surrender your life. 
surrender your heart. Don't trust in Babylon. Right? See, see, here is this, is that he did not value the voice of Daniel in this moment. This is a lesson that you and I have to learn, is to value the voice of God when he speaks to us. Value the voice of God when he speaks to us. Because this is what happens. The value you have on God's voice is revealed by the actions you take from them. See, a lot of us say, oh man, I value God's voice in my life, but how are you walking out the action steps of the voice that he's spoken to you? Hey, I need you to reach out to this person, or hey, I need you to surrender this over. I need to, and how many of you know we can get caught up in, well, God's patient, he's not going to, he is patient, but patience requires obedience. And so it's, it's important that we value the voice of God in our lives. And the action steps that we take are telling us whether we trust his voice or not. See, pride will take you from the palace to a pasture real quick. He's out here celebrating, looking over his palace and looking at all of his pasture, not realizing that because he's unwilling to submit his life to Jesus, he's going to be in the very pasture that he's looking at, needing it and depending on it to survive. See, I think that we have to be really careful as believers to say, hey, I'm a believer, but living like a Babylonian. Because that's what the spirit of Babylon wants you to do. It wants you to profess your faith, but it wants you to live like Babylon. It wants you to live like everybody else does so that you don't look set apart. You don't, you're not consecrated. You have the same core values and convictions that everybody else does. And if you do, then you're judgmental. Right? The scriptures, the scripture says this, that just as a tree is known by his fruit, so is a man known by his actions. Right? And so, how many of you know that our actions, the core values of the convictions, the life we live is telling the world the tree we are? I'm an apple tree. No, you're not. You have oranges. I'm an apple tree. You can say what you are, but your tree is telling the world who you are. This is important. Because Babylon wants you to look like their tree. But there is something in you that the world needs. See, pride will always take credit for what God did. See, this is what he was doing. He was looking at his palace saying, look what I have accomplished. This is another lesson in Babylon. Be careful to take credit for what God is doing in your life. Be careful to take credit at the success and the things that are happening in your life and say, man, look what I have done. That's what Babylon would love for you to do is to take credit for what God is doing in your life. Here's the problem. The more that you take credit, the more you realize that you, you're just saying, God, I didn't need you. And you, you're just devaluing what he's doing in your life. And Babylon wants to do everything it can to steal the credit from the king. So you can take God lightly, but he takes his word seriously. We see that in this lesson. We see that in this moment, Nebuchadnezzar took God's, he took the dream lightly. He took it lightly, and in a moment, it says this. It says, the king thought, look how great Babylon is. I built the royal palace. Notice there's an I in there. I built the royal palace by my own impressive power and for my glorious honor. Before the words came out of his mouth, 
Notice, it was a thought. He didn't say it yet. He thought it. Be careful what you think. And then he goes on, he says, A voice said from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this. The kingdom has been taken from you. You will be forced away from people and live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle, and seven time periods will pass until you realize that I am all-powerful over human kingdoms, and he and that he gives them to whomever he wishes. Just then, the prediction about Nebuchadnezzar came true. He was forced away from people and ate grass like cattle. Dew from the sky made his body wet until his hair grew as long as eagle feathers. And his nails grew as long as bird's claws. And at the end of the seven time periods, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. This is what I want you to understand. Point three is this. Everything you gain with effort can be lost with a thought. Everything that God has done in your life can be lost with a thought. Nebuchadnezzar did not lose his palace because of what he said, but because of what he thought. How many of you know, because once you get a thought in your head, you determine where it goes. See, he began to entertain that thought. And Babylon wants you to be convinced with the thoughts that what you do is bigger than God. And in a moment, if you could imagine... Our president going from the White House to now you see him out in a field eating grass. This is literally what happened. This is not a made-up story. This is a real story of a king, the most powerful man in the nations, went from a palace to in a moment with the wrong thought, lost everything he had, and was now consuming grass. This is a valuable lesson on how we should really take captive our thoughts. See, heaven responds to pride and humility differently. I believe that that had Nebuchadnezzar realized, wow, I'm actually, I need to be more aware of what God is doing, even though I'm not serving him. I need to be more aware of what God is doing in my life. But Babylon will convince you that you have done it all. See, thoughts create choices, and choices create words. And words begin to begin to live out in action. But this is the cool thing about God. That regardless of how resistant we are, regardless of how consistent we are to push him away, the moment that Nebuchadnezzar realized this, and this is what he said, he says, at the end of the seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my mind came back to me. I thanked the God of power, and I praised and honored the one who lives forever, because his power lasts forever, and his kingdom lasts from one generation to the next. Everyone lives on earth is nothing compared to him. He does whatever he wishes with the army of heaven and with those who live on earth. There is no one who can oppose him or ask him, what are you doing? Just then my mind came back to me. Notice he lost everything with a thought and he gained everything else back with a thought. 
He says, my royal honor and glory were also given back to me. My advisors and nobles wanted to meet with me again. I was given back my kingdom and made extraordinarily great. Notice that God didn't just make him great, extraordinarily great. See, Babylon is a system that influences you into thinking you built the world you're living in. This is why I saved these first three verses. It's because I wanted you to see what he says now. After he's had an encounter with God, after he's ignored him and he's resisted him. This is why I want you to know is I want you to have hope for Babylon. I don't want you to look at the world and and hate it and disregard it and not care about it and not steward it. What I want you to do is I want you to see the potential that's lying outside in Babylon. That there are people all over that, that may not look and act like we look. But you are filled with something and you can give that to them. And you can be a part of their restoration process. Here's the verse 1 through 3. It says, from the king Nebuchadnezzar to the people of every province. This is after his mind has been restored and he's in power. This is what he says. From king Nebuchadnezzar to the people of every province, nation, and language in the world, I wish you peace and prosperity. I am pleased to write to you about the miraculous signs and amazing things that Elohim did for me. His miraculous signs are impressive. He uses his power to do amazing things. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His power lasts from one generation to the next. This is a man who disregarded, ignored, and pushed away God. But God restored him back because this is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve. We serve a God. And, and I, I sense this right now, that there are people who you looked at and they've lost their faith. They've literally walked away from their faith in Christ. And you're looking at them and you've become judgmental and you've gotten, you've gotten kind of critical. I hope that this will bring hope back to you to say, you know what, they're coming back. They're going to be able to give their speech to people, their family, their friends about how good God is, how miraculous he is, how faithful he is, how consistent he is, that he restored me back. I pushed him away, but God continued to run after me, and he restored me. This is an important lesson from Babylon, that even when we think God is done with people, God is never done with people. This should be good news for us. Because God is never done with people. If you and I were in charge, we'd be like, okay, we're going to restore you, but you're not going back to where you were. You got prideful. But God not only restored him, but gave him more than what he had before. This is the power of the kingdom that we serve. If you would stand with me as we close. morning I pray that you 
find compassion in your heart. The Bible actually talks about it in here. I didn't read it, that Daniel was terrified for him. And I believe that Daniel began to intercede and begin to pray for Nebuchadnezzar. And sometimes it's so easy to look at Babylon and to, and to look at the things and the, 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 the chaos and the situations and the circumstances that are happening and just say that's, that's what happens in Babylon. Instead of God using us to become compassionate and begin to pray for specific situations and circumstances and things that are happening and to change it and to see God restore people. I don't think there is anything more beautiful than seeing a person restored from sin and from serving the enemy to serving and giving credit to Jesus. So Father, I thank you this morning, God, that as we take these lessons from Babylon, God, that you would use it, that you would help us, God, be filled with your spirit, to be led and be guided by you and you. Father, I thank you that there may be people in here this morning that don't know you. They may have prayed a prayer, but God, there was never a full commitment to your heart, to allowing you in, to change and transform their lives. And so, Lord, I pray right now in this moment, God, that if there is anybody in here under the sound of my voice, God, that doesn't know you, that in this moment, they would be convinced that they need you. This morning, if that's you, maybe you've prayed a prayer. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer. But this morning, you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, if you would just slip your hand up real quick. And I just want to pray a prayer with you. Say, that's me. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else, thank you for those hands. Come on. That's amazing. If you would just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus Christ died for those sins. He rose again on the third day. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, become my Lord and Savior. I ask you, Jesus, to reveal the destiny the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we give them a hand? If that was you this morning, we've got ushers. They will give you something to help you walk out your journey.